All right, I have to not be so precious with this. I've tried this three different times, and I'm just tongue-tied today. So whatever it's going to be is what it's going to be. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. So, hey. Did you know that most Vikings never wore horns on their helmets? Did you know that chewing gum doesn't take seven years to digest? Or what about this? Did you know that storing batteries in the freezer does not improve their performance? Did you know that Walt Disney is not stored in a freezer at the moment? He's not cryogenically frozen. See, these are all examples of myths that somehow became truths over time simply because people just decided that they're true. Uh, There have been Bigfoot sightings. There have been Loch Ness monster sightings. There have been Elvis sightings. Oran Juice Jones sightings. Here's another one. Fluoride is great for us. You know, sometimes people, when they're buying toothpaste, go out of their way to make sure that it's advertised right on the box that fluoride is part of their toothpaste. But what's crazy is if you flip the box over, right on the other side of the box, in 1997, the FDA ordered toothpaste manufacturers to add a poison warning on all fluoride toothpaste sold in the United States. This is what the warning reads. I copied it word for word. Keep out of reach of children under six years of age. If you accidentally swallow more than used for brushing, seek professional help or contact a poison control center immediately. Are you kidding me? Look, people love a good story. They love to be told something is true, something's good for them, or whatever the case may be, or something's bad for them. And you know what? Psychology as a topic is by no means off limits of this. There's a website called learningmind.com, and they had a piece on this. And we're going to note three areas that they touched upon here when it comes to what we're going to call psychology mythology. Here's a big one. Low self-esteem is the root of your psychological problems. Here's what they said about this. They said many have the popular belief that low self-esteem is one of the major issues in cultivating unhealthy behaviors such as violence, depression, and anxiety. If you walk into any self-help book aisle where you will find the notion that no psychological issue is unrelated to a lack of self-esteem. It's going to happen. It's just going to be paraphrased in one way or another. In fact, studies conducted discovered that low self-esteem is neither necessary nor sufficient for depression. Allowing us to have an understanding that a lack of self-esteem cannot be the sole cause of poor mental health is actually a good thing. It helps us. I mean, of course, this is now again me talking. 
low self-esteem never helps and it has its own issues and traits that obviously affect us shyness does too for example but just because someone doesn't think highly of themselves or are not extroverted doesn't equate to that person automatically being miserable there are people that are completely full of themselves and put themselves right out there in the spotlight that are miserable they may not blame themselves and everything that they go through maybe everyone else's fault in their thinking, but they're in the exact same boat as the one with low self-esteem. They're just getting to their location differently. Did you ever see the episode of The Twilight Zone called Cavender is Coming? I haven't referenced The Twilight Zone since our very first episode, and it's really hard because there's generally one that would fit almost every single one of these podcast episodes. But Cavender is Coming is the one that had Carol Burnett in it. She was a character that was average looking, had little money, was very clumsy, and lived very, very simply. And so Cavender, who was supposed to be an angel, was sent to Earth to make her better, and most importantly, make her happy. So what does he do? He gives her a mansion high society friends, a large bank account, and lots and lots of male attention. Well, she takes him up on it. But guess what happens very quickly? She soon realizes that she hates her life. Why? Because she was happy before. And no, she didn't think she was better than other people and probably even had low self-esteem before. But she was okay. She was happy. She loves her little neighborhood where she gives cookies to the neighbor kids who love her. She loves her neighbors, and she's going to be happy going bowling again with her friends. It's actually a wonderful pop culture example of how we don't have to be or feel like the king of the world to be okay. Here's myth number two per our article on learningmind.com. Psychology is about fixing crazy people. If you ask someone for their opinion on therapy, many people will reply that it's basically for crazy people or people with mental issues who like to lie down and talk about their feelings. And someone writes away this information in a small notebook and overcharges them for this. Attending therapy is in no way an admission that something is wrong with you but it provides an appreciation of the full spectrum of thoughts. It allows an understanding of how a particular type of thought or habit pattern can affect our mental health in terms of how we perceive others and ourselves. The fact is, we are all a bit broken, and we could all use something fixed. It may not be needing the help of a psychologist, mind you, but none of us has it all together. We just don't. Now, to me, that's not a criticism, but it's actually more of a reassurance. The whole grass concept of the grass is always greener, that's just a downer. Everyone has their stuff to deal with on, on either side of the lawn, on either side of the fence. Pop culture again. I just watched a movie not that long ago called Serendipity. Have you ever seen this one? It's like over 20 years old now. It's, it's a love story. It's totally not realistic, but it's a nice watch. 
and I'm kind of a, a John Cusack head, so I watched it. But I'm using it as an example because of the other lead character. Now, the other lead character was played by Kate Beckinsale. She plays a therapist, I guess you could say psychiatrist or psychologist type, that has all the answers for her patients, but only slightly believes what she's actually telling them because she views life more romantically than she does literally. Her life is a kind of a mess, but she's obviously an attractive, successful person who one would think was totally together. So my point is everyone is dealing with something, even in pop culture. Let's move to the third myth. All dreams have a hidden meaning. So we want that to be true. I mean, really, don't you, don't you want it to be true that each one of your dreams has a hidden meaning? Well, apparently, if you do, you're not alone. A study across three different cultures in India, South Korea, and the United States of America found that 56 to 74% of people believe that their dreams have hidden meanings. If somebody had a dream of a plane crashing before flying the next day, they may consciously decide to avoid flying. They are relying on their dreams as being more accurate than wakeful thinking. What's interesting too is that the internet and the bookstore are full of dream diaries and interpretations saying that certain symbols mean certain things to predict the future. But really, think of it like this. Our brains produce dreams during REM sleep that can sometimes be totally illogical and are influenced by our emotions that day, as well as our thoughts. So it would be wiser not to let your dreams influence your life decisions and engage in some logical, wakeful thinking instead. Hollywood loves this. <laughs> they love the whole, the whole thing was just a dream. From The Wizard of Oz to the 1953 movie Invaders from Mars. And then in 1972, there was the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. The, Ma the Mirror was another movie in 1975, all the way down to The Life of Pi in 2012. We love this stuff. For some reason, it resonates with us. This whole, oh, the whole thing was just a dream. Why do we love this stuff? Why do we love myths and mythology so much as a people? Oftentimes because these things attempt to explain the unexplainable or the hard to explain, and by all means, they totally romanticize everything. Take the concept in mythology of Cupid, for example. Cupid was the mythological god of love and desire. He was the son of Venus and usually is depicted as a winged child carrying a bow and arrow. Now, his arrows could either draw people together or could pull them apart. Well, why would something like this catch on? Because it did. Simply put, this myth tries to explain why one person can be so intensely drawn to another, and even why relationships don't always work out the way that you hoped. Poseidon was another mythological person. He, according to mythology, was the son of Kronos and Rhea. He became the ruler of the sea. 
when the universe was divided after the fall of the Titans. So Poseidon was bad tempered. And when this guy became angry, he would cause earthquakes. He managed to even upset Hades, the ruler of the underworld. Poseidon was most often depicted with his trident, sometimes riding a horse, sometimes he even had a little pet turtle in his hand. He, he sometimes actually claimed to be as the creator of the horses, according to mythology. Well, why would something like this catch on? Well, think about it. How could earthquakes be explained in ancient times? To some, an angry god who shook the earth when they were angry made sense. So they just went with it. The bottom line is that we as people are often looking for answers in general. Not having answers can be completely disconcerting. I find this to be true, especially as people get older. What I mean is this. For the most part, let me ask you questions. When you, when you were in your 20s, if you had a cold, or let's say your arm was sore, or like your stomach hurt, did you go to the emergency room? Did you make a doctor's appointment for that? Take the pandemic out of your consciousness. Just in normalcy, back in your 20s, did you make lots of doctor's appointments for every little thing that arose? My guess is that most of you, like me, probably didn't. We just kind of dealt with it. But what often do elderly ones do in general? And again, just, just in general, some don't. Well, of course... With there being obvious exceptions, many go to the doctor or the emergency room for absolutely everything. Not necessarily because of being in pain, but generally for one reason. I've got to know what's wrong. I've got to find an answer. Especially in an internet world, these older ones can look and read into finding symptoms for anything. It's so easy to become an armchair physician. So often, this itch on my arm, it could just be an itch. But what if it's poison oak? What if it's a deadly spider bite? Or atopic dermatitis? I must know. So they go off to the ER in many cases or run to the phone to get the earliest doctor's appointment available. The point is simple. They have to know for their sanity. While some people might just scratch the itch and continue living their lives, many people can't. And it's not just older ones. There's people of all ages that have this mentality. Having to know. I have to know. This kind of panicked search for reasons for everything often leads to myths. Because something is better than nothing for the psyche of most people. But you know what's cool? In fact, we're going to conclude with this. We have the opportunity to take the time to actually learn, to research stuff, to study. So while the easier thing to do is just accept that eating carrots will restore your bad vision, it might be smarter to actually spend a minute to research that while they do contain a good amount of vitamin A, which is great for maintaining eye health, it's not going to bring back your eyesight if you've already lost it. If we take the time to learn and research and dig deeper, finding the truth or finding truths are often right there in front of us. And you know what's interesting? They're generally a lot simpler. Mythology is pretty complicated, but the truth isn't.
The extra effort is not only worth it, but it's often healthier. And check this out. It's very, very much more reassuring. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist, or will we? A real Spotify playlist or a mythological Spotify playlist? Nope, it's real. We have for you this time around a Refresher podcast psychology mythology playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash psychology mythology. See, from where I said, you know, we have once again arrived at the time, blah, 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 blah. See, that would have made me want to just say, okay, I don't like the way that turned out. I'm going to go and re-record it again. But I made you a promise. This We're not going to be too precious with this. Track number one, The Church. Remember them? Under the Milky Way. They have a very cool song that they released later called The Myths You Made. That is our number one song. Number two is an indie artist that I met years ago. Uh, I reviewed his record and received an advanced copy. His name is Jack Roberts, and the record was called The Romance, The Row, and The Wreck. And I really dug it. He has kind of a Peter Gabriel vibe. So our song number two is by him. It's Jack Roberts with the song The Mermaids. Number three, Venus as a Boy by Bjork. Number four, a great song that I think is a, a perfect pop song that after years and years, I honestly haven't gotten even slightly tired of it. The song is called No Myth, and it's by Michael Penn. Number five, one of the most atmospheric songs on the record, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins. It's called Porcelina of the Vast Oceans. Number six, Sage and Spirit by The Grateful Dead. Number seven, the band Cream with Tales of Brave Ulysses. Number eight, from their Presence record, it's Led Zeppelin with Achilles' Last Stand. Number nine, the song is called Phoenix by Wishbone Ash. And number 10, Tim Buckley with the pretty song called Song to the Siren. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast Psychology Mythology. Hey, I wanted to pass something awesome along to you all out there. I've done it before. Did you know that having a plant around can psychologically be very good for you? According to Psychology Today, researchers found that people who surround themselves with plant life and other forms of natural beauty, be it indoors or out, experience emotional and mental health benefits that have a positive impact on their social, psychological, physical, cognitive, and environmental well-being. With that, I want to tell you about a great company called Leafy. It's based out of Southern California. What a great concept they have. First off, they offer plants to help brighten your atmosphere psychologically. But it doesn't stop there. It's not as simple as plant sales. In fact, you don't even have to buy a plant from them. Here's what you do when you when you contact them. So you are, are going to make yourself available to something that's really unique. It's the pot. 
that the plant would come in. See, the pot that the plant comes in has a wick and a reservoir, and you can buy the pot by itself. In other words, it makes your plant really easy to care for. And again, they provide the plants and soil too, if you'd like that. But here is their concept. Take it with you. It can stay with you in your car. It fits in the cup holder. You can bring it to work. The cup holder of a backpack. It not only creates a nice refreshing atmosphere, but can provide both the aforementioned psychological benefits as well as a great icebreaker to start a conversation. So go and check them out online. Again, it's leafy. Listen super carefully. It's pronounced, excuse me, it's spelled L-E-A-F-V-E. And you can find them at leafy.com. That's L-E-A-F-V-E.com. Make sure you tell them that Refresher sent you. We'd like to welcome some new listeners to our program this time around. Again, our demographic report shows some growth. We now have listeners in West Springfield, Massachusetts. Welcome. We really appreciate you being here. and We hope you enjoy the Refresher podcast. This show would simply not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor and please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends, that would be awesome. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you'd like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Even if it's 99 cents a month, that would be great. All you have to do is you have to see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If that's something you want to do, if you are so inclined, that would be great. But whether you do or whether you don't, just please feel free to listen and enjoy any time that you want to. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. Until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a huge difference between worry and concern. A new Psychology on Vinyl next week. It's going to be great. We'll see you next time.